0: Welcome to The Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking The Success Code, which is a personal, self-expressive journey. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Redd, the host of this show, The Success Code, four-time best-selling author, soon-to-be-five, world-renowned speaker. And today, we got my boy Colin on the podcast. Uh, Colin is the owner, creator, and host of The Daily Grind podcast. And I'm going to let him tell you about all of his amazing accomplishments. But I met this guy, and not only has he connected me with dope people And show me the possibility of podcasts. One of the reasons why I started this podcast. But the dude is just super smart. He knows how to dig out information from the smartest people in the world. And he's just a high energy,
1: amazing dude. Colin, you hear me? I hear you, man. Thanks so much for having me, Roy. I appreciate it.
0: Well, no doubt, man. Uh, Real quick, just tell everyone what you do about yourself and your quick story.
1: For sure. So a little background on me. I was actually a former professional golfer kind of grew up wanting to be a professional athlete my whole life and luckily had the chance to do that through golf. However, after three years, I kind of realized that my journey would sort of stop before the PGA tour. So I needed to transition to something new. Mm -hmm. And if you're an athlete or you deal with athletes, you understand how difficult that can be because when you put your effort and energy so much into one sport, your identity gets wrapped up into that. So I had to re Define who I was, and realize that I'm a person. I'm not a golfer first and foremost. And once I realized that, then I started to go on this journey of self improvement, development, and and learning for the first time. Because even though I went to school, Roy, I probably went to like ten classes. (laughs) So I I wasn't I wasn't a great student. So I had to learn to be a student. And once I did that, I, I realized all the possibilities in front of me. I realized that I didn't have to take a job. I could start something on my own, having parents who were entrepreneurs made that a little bit easier to, to have that education and push. Mm -hmm. And after working with my father for a little bit, I discovered podcasting 14 months later after starting my show, um, it's developed into my full-time business. So super excited about that. And, And not only that, I do some speaking and I also show people how you can properly start grow and monetize your podcast in a different way than what you hear everywhere else.
0: Okay. And you just dropped a book on that. That's one of the reasons why we kind of wanted to do this interview, even though this interview is totally way past due. Uh, Tell us about that book and um, kind of what it would do exactly.
1: you got it, man. So it's called the podcast revenue generator. I actually wrote this on a plane ride home from a podcasting event I went to. So I was at this event and I realized you know, how many people were podcasting and I realized how many people were struggling, like how many people were struggling to grow their show, like how me. many people, yeah, or how many people weren't making money with it. And I, and I was just like, wow, like I was wondering why people were struggling with this. And then I started to dive into it myself and I realized that you know, everything we've learned about podcasting has been told to us by one person. And if you think about podcasting as a business, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: now you can really start to recreate and rewrite the rules. So you don't have to charge what everyone else charges. Mm -hmm. You don't need to wait until 10,000 downloads to ask for a sponsorship. And a podcast can actually turn into one of the biggest lead gen sources for your business if you know how to do it. So through that sort of frustration, I wrote the book. It took me a little bit to kind of polish it and put it together And uh, within the ebook, I give away templates on how to reach out to top name guests. I give Mm -hmm. templates away, not only uh, uh, how to approach sponsors, but how to set up your deals properly and successfully. So you could book a sponsor paying you thousands of dollars a month to promote their products. Mm -hmm. And then also how you can do it as a business or as a one man person. Mm -hmm. approach other businesses and consumers and use it for a lead gen. So I just kind of took everything that I learned in 14 months and that I was struggling with. And I realized, wow, so many other people are. And I put this all into this one uh, tight little ebook.
0: Doing with uh, what great entrepreneurs do is you realize that you had a problem. And when you fixed it, then you realize a lot of people have this problem and you could probably sell that fix to so that they can fix their problem faster than the years it took you to fix it.
1: No doubt. And it's oftentimes, I mean, you probably find this, Roy, even with threading your books and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, it's like the the things that come the easiest to you, you think that everyone else knows how to do it, but then you realize they don't. And I think mm-hmm. that's just like kind of a You posture up and you think, oh, if it came easy to me, it probably comes easy to everyone else. Everybody.
0: That's one of the reasons why I hate training. Um, you, you know, I work out a lot. People want me to train them. I hate training because people can't, can't do the moves. I'll be like, man, I I don't have the patience for teaching you how to do this, man. We gotta get here. okay? So, uh, just diving into business. So, there's kind of the way I think about it is I break up my businesses into three businesses. So, uh, the before unit, and I stole this from Joe Pollis, The before unit, the during unit, and the after unit. And when Colin was talking about lead generation, that's the before unit. And what lead generation is, is bringing prospects into your funnel or a sales process so you could possibly work with them. So how exactly do you, um, um, what is your process for your before unit? How do you get leads with podcast?
1: Yeah. So I'll kind of frame this up. So if you're in business, you probably realize like if we look at the buying cycle, so say I'm looking for marketing help. The uh-huh. first thing I'm probably going to do is go to you, Roy, or go to other people I know and ask, you know, do you want, do you know anyone who can help me with this marketing? Like this is what I need done. Uh-huh. You know, has anyone else given you results? And the reason why I do that and most people do that is because if that company got results for you, I have trust that they can get results for me. It's based on the foundation of trust. Mm -hmm. So with podcasting, you know, what it does is it builds trust with your customers. Uh Even if you are trying to sell something, there's really only three reasons. If a qualified buyer, you're you're on the phone with a qualified buyer. There's only three reasons why someone wouldn't buy your product or service. One being that they don't fully understand it. So you went through the process. They didn't really get it. They're like, I'm not really sure what I'm getting. Uh-huh. second is a price objection and it doesn't mean that they can't afford it. It means they can't justify the price. Okay. And the third reason is, is they don't trust that you can deliver on all these promises that you promised during that call or during that presentation. Uh-huh. So what podcasting does is it builds trust by three ways. One is it positions you as an expert in your industry. So much in the same way, For a speaker, when you have a book and you approach someone like, I just wrote this book. I'd like like to speak at your conference. It positions you as the expert. So that's what a podcast does for your business is now people realize, well, if he speaks about it, he must know what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is that, you know, this too, Roy, like proximity is power. Yeah. So the more powerful people you speak to and rub shoulders with, to everyone else, now all of a sudden the perception of you goes from being at a very minor level to now, wow, Colin or Roy, they must be real experts because look at all these people that they're speaking with. Mm-hmm. And the more high level people you speak with, the more trust it builds with everyone else. Yes. And the third thing it does is as you podcast and your audience grows and more people tune in, in business, in entrepreneurship, we all want more of one thing. And that is attention. Most of us believe that our products and services that we sell and deliver are amazing. We just need more people to know about them. So as you speak about it, more people start to hear you and know about your products and services. And the more people that listen, now what happens is your audience grows, it builds social proof and trust. Again, with everyone else. So when people reach out to you, there's no questions. You don't have to go through, you know, the, the cycle of what you do price becomes out of the question, because if you've built trust with them and they need what you deliver, all those other things become irrelevant. So everything, all this foundation of business and everything is all based around trust. And this is what podcasting can do for you. Mm
0: -hmm. Sales is influence and marketing is um, positioning. And so it's just using as my business mind goes, it seems like I need to triple down on these on podcasts because of the positioning and, you know, barring someone else's celebrity or whatever it is they have is clutch with positioning. For example, I was a quote unquote life coach for years yeah, But I didn't get not one person <laughs> to actually give me money for that until I was able to uh, work with Alan Crabb, who is an NBA player, earned himself a $70 yep. million dollar contract. And so that positioning um, was what was able for me, to help me build my business. So what you're saying, Colin, is if you do, if you interview, and I saw that you interviewed Seth Godin, that was one yep. of the reasons why my friend Adam Adam, by the way, is killing it, doing like 90 grand a month. He's sickening. I just met my accountability coach today. He saw me post you, went to your page, saw that picture that you interviewed him, and hit me up like, hey, can you introduce me to this guy? I want to get on his show. And so that is kind of that positioning. And then also, it seems like you're saying, and I hope I get this quote right, but Joe Polish says that, you want to bring in leads and prospects that are pre-qualified, predisposed, and pre-ready to already work with you. And your podcast does all of those things um, just right off bat.
1: 100%. And I'll give you guys another like really strong tool you can use as well. So if you're selling to a business or you're trying to reach out to people, you know, what I learned is if if I call Roy up and I'm like, hey Roy, can you give me five minutes? I need some advice. Roy's people like Roy and other entrepreneurs, they're busy. They're not gonna give you five minutes just because you ask for it. Sure. But if you go in with the approach of, hey, I'd love to set up an interview, well now look at the people you can reach. So if you think about it in business, you how many people, how many prospects are you trying to get in front of every single day? Yeah. How many people How many roadblocks are you running into? How many assistants are you having to deal with before you actually get the decision maker? How many emails aren't being answered? You go with the approach of being interviewed. Now you get all the people you want to speak to, to potentially do business with, to get on an interview with you for 30 minutes. Now, here's a real secret is during the interview, you can actually qualify them to be a customer. So if you're a speaker looking to get, and, and say you go into businesses and you, you help with company culture and empowering their employees, uh-huh. some of the questions you can ask during the interview is, you know, what kind of emphasis do you put on your company culture? And they're going to respond, oh, lots, lots. Well, do you bring in outside people in order to educate and empower your people? Well, sometimes, or they may say a lot, and you can continue to build off it. What is that done? Why is that important to you? Write down all this information. So then after the interview is over, you can say, you know, Mrs. Johnson, that was a wonderful interview. Hey, I know you mentioned that you put a lot of emphasis on you know, educating your people and company culture. I don't know if you know this, but that's what I do. Do you have 20 minutes so I could share with you what I do and maybe how it would be beneficial to your company? Like that's so powerful because you've already built the trust with that person. So now you're getting not only the podcast, you're going to get time after, you're going to book a time you're going to get these calls and you're going to start closing crazy amounts of deals.
0: Okay. Hold
1: on. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is okay. First, never heard that strategy. <laughs> Second, for anybody who isn't business minded, that one piece of information, this is why you need mentors. That one piece of information is thousands of million dollars to a business. Yes. So one of the things I do is I send books um, you know, I'll use LinkedIn get leads, and then I'll send books. But if I interview someone, I—I I mean, I didn't know that that I could interview them to get that connection. But yeah. asking them that question that you just gave, and even if I'm not a speaker, whatever I do, if I can tailor make a question to to produce that same result, it's cr- that that was that's millions of dollars to certain people. Honestly. They can.
1: Because so, you're going to get in touch with like, you're going to get in touch with CEOs you never thought you could, like COOs or CMOs. Like, you're going to get in touch with huge corporations and top level people just because simply you're trying to interview them. And then if you and, do it strategically mm-hmm. and sort of in a good strategy way without being too sleazy, it converts.
0: And, I told you the new businesses, the new business I want to start before we got on the podcast that will work for that. Big time, man. Talk to brokers and be like, "Hey, um, I just want to interview a broker," and then yeah, that's I'm definitely implementing that now. To to my whole <laughs> model, that's smart. Um, just touching a little bit on Legion. When you what, how do you find these influencers and how do you reach out? Do they have um, like PR people, is there a middleman? Let's say you wanted to interview when you interviewed Seth, do you just email him? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so I found Seth's website. I read a few of his articles, and you know what I realized is that if you read enough of someone. Probably in some article or in some podcast they do, they're going to give away some bit of their time. They may give an email address away. Some people may give away 15 minutes. It's crazy what people actually give away that people don't know. So I was reading a blog and I saw his email address. So I captured his email address and I reached out to Seth before I even had a name on my podcast. So I was bold. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking about here, but I want you on my show. And he's like, I appreciate the hustle. He's like, if you stick with it, I'll be your hundredth guest. So that was motivation for me enough to do 99 episodes as quick as I could. And then Seth kept his word and came on.
0: That's, that was cool by him because not only did he um, keep his word and help you out coming on your show, but he also gave you of the foundation to making sure yeah. you're serious. You know, a lot of guys like one of my one of my mentors, his thing is to give three no's. Um, he's gonna say yes, but he gets three no's just to see he's gonna keep coming back, keep coming back. And I know yeah. even Pun Robbins with his uh when he interviews people, he gives them twelve no's. Wow. To he's gonna keep coming back. And he's rude to you like the first five.
1: That's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it shows, right. You got a, a persistence as a muscle that you yeah. got to build, but going back to that question, I mean, it just starts, it's like any other type of business, even in a sales cycle, you know, you hear it takes anywhere between five to 12 touches to make a sale. Yeah. Podcasting is no different. So I reach out to people sometimes they are like, you know, I'm busy or you know, let me know when your show hits X amount of downloads, you just keep reaching back out to people. And there's different strategies that I've been able to implement, again, using social proof. So people would still be able to come on my show, even though I hadn't hit the benchmarks that they'd set for me. Um, Simply because I showed that people who listen to my show were super interested in having them on. So it didn't come from a place of, you know, Kevin, will you please come on my podcast? It's like, Kevin, man, I know you set these benchmarks for me, but like, look at all this action! Look at all these people on my podcast who have asked you to come on my show. So I'm using that in order to leverage people to come on. But you're going to go through gatekeepers. You're going to go through assistants in the same way you would anywhere else. But think of it as a sales cycle. If someone says no one time, that yeah. means that you don't. You're, you're not 12 yeah. steps away. You're only 11 steps away now. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's
0: <laughs> it's crazy because you know a lot of the strategies you know the strategy you just give out is is sickening um i give out a lot of strategies and people do it once or twice and then they'll quit and i used to do that as well until i realized through my mentors everything's a numbers game it's really a numbers game and if you just realize that then you realize that you just got to hustle and work these strategies and the better the strategy the numbers get better But for example, you know, my speaking gigs, people are like, how do you get, you know, so many speaking gigs? I'm like, I have to reach out to about 84 event planners to get one. Yes. And since I know my numbers, that takes away all the guessing. Okay, I want to do 20 to make this amount of money. I have to reach out to 83 to get one. So 20 times 83, boom.
1: Exactly. And now, now you're excited about it because you know it's proven. So I now exactly it doesn't matter it when you get 83 no's because you're like, doesn't matter. The 84 is going to be a yes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my buddies went to a seminar for 20,000. And when he got to the seminar, they basically just taught him how to do cold calls. And they told okay. him it takes about 2000 cold calls until you get the one so that you can uh, hit his goal or whatever. And so he knew okay, it takes about 2,000 cold calls. So he was ready and knew what he had to do. And he said that he would have saved his 20,000 and just started calling (laughs) if he knew that's all it took was 2,000 cold calls, you know?
1: Yeah. And once you get, like, even for myself, you know, I'm trying to reach out and, and go and speak to colleges. I reached out to D3, D2, D1.
0: Yeah.
1: Not as many as I wanted booked this year guess what? You can go in and instead of having that instant gratification, you go in with a camera, you film what you're doing, make sure you get that testimonial after, make sure you do a phenomenal job. And then again, based on that social proof, the proof that you've done it, builds trust with people. So next year, you know, I'll, I'll be at 50 and it's just that patience you have to spend and the strategy. And just like you said, you got to know your numbers. And if you know your numbers, things get exciting.
0: yep yep. and that was the kind of the lead generation part you Mm -hmm. gave really good strategy for kind of the during unit but during your podcast how do you come up with questions how do you deal with the flow and how do you integrate whatever sponsorships and whatever you're doing um do you have like a system for that
1: you know what it was definitely for me a learning process Mm -hmm. so What I learned as an athlete, and you could probably attest to this too, Roy, like being around guys who play basketball, you playing basketball as well. Like if you want to get good at hitting a jump shot or hitting a drive, you got to hit 10,000 jump shots. You got to hit 10,000 drives. So trying to do everything perfect throughout is going to be difficult. So for me, like doing a daily show, just the sheer volume of it, I started to learn. I started to get a little bit more comfortable I started to listen back and realized okay, this is where I could do things a little bit differently, um, so for me, about the first hundred episodes were the exact same, same questions, same flow, same everything. and then I got comfortable saying, oh, I could probably add a little bit to these conversations. I could show a little bit more of me, I could take this in a different direction because as I be- did more, I became more confident in myself, mm-hmm. and then same thing with sponsors is. I used to read sponsors like it was an infomercial, you know, because that's what, I, oh. yeah, like that's what I thought I had to do. But then you realize, okay, I need to come from a place of like, I've actually used this product and I've done it. And like, here's my results with it and my experience. And that's just straight from learning. Like, that I don't know any other way other than doing. Like, I don't think you could probably read something. Even if I gave you that piece of advice, if you went and did a sponsor plug for the first time, it would probably come out a little bit differently or not the way you want it to. But you just keep repeating it and doing it and doing it and you get good at it.
0: Okay. And do you have like an after unit? Uh, Do you follow up with previous guests? What do you do as a referral, uh, as, as referrals?
1: Yeah. So I found the, the biggest way I've grown my show is by having like you on the show, Roy, and then you sharing it with your audience. Okay. Your audience listens to it. Then they come over and check me out. And then if they like me, they stick with me. So uh-huh. like, that's really how I built my show. And I do that by, again, putting together these scripts. So after once the interview goes live, I make it super easy for people to access the podcast and share it. And then I'll even go as far as being like, Roy, would you mind sharing this and leaving a review? And then do you know anyone who would be great for the show? Okay. Because, again, that proximity is power thing. Like, I know you know someone. And you're probably like, oh, this person would be great for the show. So you're going to go ahead and refer me to them. Mm-hmm. They have a following. I interview them. I get them to share it. I get them to refer me someone. So it's just like this constant flow of, I guess that's a system. I, it's not like a system I put in place, but I guess it's just something I developed. Organic. Yeah.
0: Do you ever get, because I, um, I wanted to try to get Alan on the show back then. And we kind of talked about it and had like a couple back and forths about it. But do you ever get people who like say, oh, well, it's going to cost this much? Or they'll say, um, what do you? What kind of pushbacks do you get from people um, in regards to being on the show when you ask them?
1: Um, I'd probably say that there's two. I've had one person say that they run a fee like, and it was $3,000 for 30 minutes, big name. Um, I actually forget who it was, but if, if I said his name, you'd know it. Yeah. Big, big name. Th- that was the only one that was like, Oh, if you want me on the show, you got to pay for it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: The other ones like there's been certain guys like Dan Locke, where he's like, you know, you need a minimum of 15,000 subscribers. So like when you have that come back to me, Okay. um, but that's really like the only two things with the pushback that I get, and, and other than that, maybe some time. Like people don't say no, but they they'll be like, you know, I'm going through a book launcher right right now, or I'm really deep into the business. Reach back out to me in six months, mm. and market your calendar. Reach back out, but really, I've only gone through that probably two, three times where it's either money or it's uh, a, a flat out no because I don't have enough listeners.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So listeners and money's very rare. It, I was asking because it was like this video went viral where Dame Dash went to um, uh, No Jumper podcast. And the No Jumper guy Adam talked about how Dame asked for 500 for like a per diem. And Dame had to explain himself like, look, <laughs> I flew out there. They got to give me a per diem for flight and like all of this stuff. Yeah. But then again, they did it with video and person and all of that stuff but just kind of seeing because you know it gets kind of some guys get kind of weird in that sense you know
1: yeah you, you may need to educate them yeah on it um or it's just like at the moment it just might not be the right time yeah maybe they need they need to kind of spend a little bit more time themselves getting used to the space i mean they i don't think that they would get paid to go on ESPN, would they? True. That's so, true. I actually don't know, but I, th- I don't think they do. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. Okay, either. yeah, they, they don't. So this is the same thing. It's just at a little bit of a smaller scale as ESPN. But what people really get their sort of pants in a knot is like they want millions and millions of listeners. But like 10,000 is strong, especially mm-hmm. if it's the right crowd. Yeah. and and all of a sudden out of those 10,000 you get 1,000 fans whereas ESPN you're millions you only get 900 yeah so you got to just educate them a little bit or just give them some time that's the only suggestion because yeah you're probably going to get that
0: now being an athlete you're probably competitive me i'm extremely competitive uh yeah. so so bad that i'll see a david goggin's post and first thing <laughs> i'll have that guy up if i see him he don't want yeah. to be like that. so do you ever have someone have you ever had someone not want to be on the show and then when the show's thriving they want to be on the show and you're like nah of here." yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> for sure i i've had i've had one person i'm not going to mention his name throw him under the bus but he wasn't uh he wasn't the kindest it, it was definitely a rude reply um, and then he reached back out and i'm just like nope
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm good <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm booked up till 2021. Feel free to reach back then.
0: <laughs> man, yeah, I,
1: I would definitely be that way.
0: And, but it also motivates you, you know, they say no. And I'm like, all right, now now I'm going to have to build this to be one of the biggest podcasts and you have to pay.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um,
0: do you have any hobbies, man? What's your favorite hobby when you're just chilling?
1: Man, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. So, like, I, I love sports, so I play hockey two days a week all year round. Um, golf, my main sport, so not as much this summer, but I like to get out on the golf course.
0: Golf's tough.
1: Golf's tough, man, but I, I love it. Just for me, it gives me a sense of – of peace like I'm out there it's it's a long time you're out there for four hours you get to walk and you're outside and just get your time to kind of quiet your mind and get you in a really sort of zen space I know some people it fires them up like my dad calls golf whack fuck (laughs) so he doesn't have the same experience as me (laughs) but for me it just kind of brings brings me down but sports is sports is where it at being a being an athlete, I love watching sports, playing sports. Anytime I can be around it, that's what I really enjoy on yeah. my off time.
0: I'm just not golfing because I suck at it, so I can't. I just I
1: can't I can't be out there just getting my
0: ass with that nothing. Like I just, it's just not I get go- it. If it's something I can't beat you at, I'm just not gonna play. I'm. <laughs> I get it for sure. I'm gonna talk mess and then never play. <laughs> um, just getting into like some more internal and deeper questions, you know, what's your like life philosophy, a philosophy you live by?
1: I try to get better every day. So if I were to boil down, like one word that I live by is progress. Like all I'm trying to do every day is make progress. And I boil that down into habits. So I'm a big believer that the results you're getting are the direct reflection of the habits you have. People talk about thoughts, but what I learned is when you start to implement winning habits, your thoughts change. So Ooh, okay. for people even in a in a tough spot right now, like I was, do one small thing. So if, if you say you're really overweight, like what I would say is, drop down, do two push push-ups a day for seven straight days. Uh-huh. Like just get you in the habit of setting a really small goal, keeping that promise to yourself. And when you keep that promise to yourself, it builds confidence. And now all of a sudden you're building momentum. So yeah. next week you don't want to do two. You want to do four. Maybe you go for a walk. Maybe because of those push-ups, you start to see a little bit of results. And instead of going for the bag of chips, yeah. you pick a salad. So, it's for me, it was one hundred percent as I started to change those little daily habits, mm-hmm. I started to see my mindset change, and I started to think bigger because as you have more confidence, your dreams, I believe, go from where they are right now, and then the more confident you are, your dreams rise. That's just in my experience, so like I, I am a big believer in just constantly being implementing habits in my life, and I'm practicing it right now through a program that Andy Frisella did called 75 hard 75 hard 75 hard. So I got to do two workouts a day, 45 minutes each. One of them has to be outside. I have to follow a diet, drink a gallon of water a day, read 10 pages, no cheat meals, no alcohol. If you miss a step, you got to restart. Dang. For 75 so- for 75 straight days. Okay. So that's just something. And I've, I've been doing it. I did it 18 days and then I relapsed. I had a drink. Mm-hmm. I got socially you know, pressured in. I'll admit it. But <laughs> now I'm back up. This is my 19th day second go. So essentially I've been doing it for, you know, 36 out of 37 days. And I can tell you that the progress I've made and how productive I am, I've been more productive in these 37 days than I had been in the months previous of this year. Yeah, And I just, I attribute that to the momentum and these habits that I'm starting to really practice and implement.
0: Dope, oh, man, dope. I'm going to check that out. I need to implement some stuff. Um, what, and this is kind of the, the major question on this podcast, what does success look like to you? I know success is different for everyone, but what is your definition of it?
1: So like I said, my my one word is progress. Mm -hmm. So I look at life as a success ladder and every single day I have the chance to take one step up Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and there's no top to it because I don't believe that you can ever reach your full potential. There's no stopping. Infinite. There's no stopping. So every day progress, I have the chance to get better and some days I don't, I'm human. But if I can make the majority of my days, all of a sudden, maybe I'm at 75% right now. As I continue to practice it in a year, it goes from 75 to 80, and then yeah. 85. So I'm just trying to make progress every single day and, and really start to implement these positive, positive changes in my life.
0: All right, man. Dope, dope. Um, is there anything that we should have asked you as a podcaster, as a business owner, something that I didn't ask that would fill in the gaps.
1: Um, I think you're a good interviewer, man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, I was
0: interviewing, I was like, trying to figure this out myself. I'm like, okay, <laughs> here's business. I need lead gen. I need during unit. I need after unit to see exactly how this works. Um,
1: I would just probably say like in business or with podcasting, just really think of asking the right questions. Like today you asked the right, a lot of people ask, you know, you know, how do I grow my, my following or what time should I post a podcast? Or how many days should I post it? Like that stuff does not matter. Yeah, It really doesn't. Consistency is key. Doing it is key. And then just implementing the right strategies for what you are trying to achieve. Yeah. So like, stop asking the, the weird questions of like, what should my art look like? Or, you know, like, should I put this into my intro music should change? Like, that's just the wrong question. So just start where, asking the right questions.
0: Where, where do you think those questions come from? I always thought they come from insecurity.
1: I was going to say that.
0: Yeah, because I, um, okay, so I'm giving a talk in Manila in November and it's to a bunch of B2B marketers and Um, they, she just wants to know like strategies on, on getting better legion and all of this stuff. And we want to know like what color something is. that's going to give me a 2% increase or what opt-in page or what opt-in box should I use? And I'm going to switch it all up and kind of be a little polarizing and tell them like you guys are worried about the wrong shit you need to worry about how can I position myself? Because if you're positioned properly, if you're a podcaster who's had big people on and you're positioned and you're known as the host of that podcast, it doesn't matter what color your opt-in box is. They're going to go and want to buy your shit because like Colin said, they understand your product. They don't have a price objection anymore because they trust you and they've been with you. They heard your story and all of that stuff.
1: Hundred percent. I love that man. Like my website sucked (laughs) for the longest time. Now it's at now it's decent. I wouldn't say it's like the best, but it's decent. Now I'd say it's decent. Like things get better. Like you don't need the best opt-in, just like you said. You don't need to look the prettiest. If your stuff's good and you care, like another thing is caring about your listeners. So many people are worried about the next one. So like, oh, I have 800 listeners, how do I get my 801st? Yeah. The, the way you get your 801st is when Roy listens, mm-hmm. you offer Roy a chance to speak with you. You get on the phone, you realize Roy's pain points. What do you need help with? How can I deliver service? Who can I introduce you to? Then Roy starts to become a fan of me. And when Roy, someone asked, you know, Roy, what podcast do you listen to? You're like, man, I'm in calling as a sick one. <laughs> you know, like you got to check that out. Like I'll, I'll introduce you. So you create the fans for me as opposed mm-hmm. to me trying to create the fans. The fans you have right now will create you the new fans that you want.
0: Yeah. I just had that argument with my dad and my brother through like a family text message because Alonzo Ball was talking about how the shoes he was wearing they tore and they were terrible and
1: yeah yeah, i heard that
0: it he was like i first it made me upset that he said something like keep that in the house and then two people started bashing him like ha ha with the shoes and it's like none of y'all don't know sh- nothing about business yeah first off you're, you don't have the money to go out and make these shoes and sell them at a regular price period you've got to have high margins And those high margins have to be built through, like Colin said, positioning and the intrinsic value. Then when you sell a lot at a high price point, then you can improve on quality. And it just, it pissed me off because, you know, when you're starting a business, it's hard. And you have to build that celebrity, that perception, until you can get to the point where you can make things better. And like you said, things get better. And, um... Because people care how they look too much. They just really care, care how they look. How do I sound?
1: And two, like they care about they lo- how they look so much that, like you said, they focus so much on trying to look good or trying to put out the perfect post or whatever. But like that's all subjective. What you think looks good and what you think is going to resonate with someone might not. What you think sucks, what you think ugly, someone might be like, that's awesome. So, like, you gotta get out of your own head of thinking that you know everything, or you gotta be this type of person. Because you honestly don't know. The audience and everyone else is gonna tell you.
0: It exactly. And I had a post. I was teaching something, and someone told someone, like, "Man, his content is the best I've ever seen." But yo, he was he was like stuttered, and he had ums, and he had this, and he had that. Like, you need to edit your videos. And first off, if a kid, a high school kid who wants to play varsity, he doesn't give a damn about my ums. He wants the information so he can implement it. And you're not my audience. So people who aren't your audience judge the quality, usually all of that stuff. But the people who actually want your shit judge the content.
1: Yes. No doubt. And if people hate it, that means you're in the right direction. (laughs) For
0: sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I, I told this lady the other day I said I forget what she was bringing up something I posted and she, I said you know I think it's so cool that I I take up so much space in your head without paying any rent and everyone crying <laughs> laughing it's like because I don't I don't think about you at all all I'm thinking about doing is creating you know like Theodore Roosevelt yep. said um, it's not the it's not the critic who counts at all 100%
1: Done, done is way better than perfect. And that's what, like, even for everyone listening, that's why I admire Roy. That's why I think everyone should follow Roy and listen because he practices what he preaches. He, quite, you quiet the noise, man, and you just do it. Like, you're, you got four. How many books? Coming out with a sixth or fifth?
0: I'm going to drop a book every now and 90 days for the next 20 years.
1: Like, I don't know how you're doing that, first of all. <laughs> Because I'm trying to get one done, and I am struggling.' <laughs> you know,
0: it's, it's just different sizes, man, anywhere from yeah. 100 to 300 pages, and you just write. and I, okay. I know the subject, so I just sit down and freaking write. and um, you'll see after you drop your book, just like I think I'll see after I start implementing your podcast stuff, is once you do it and you know the pattern, then you could just implement that pattern over and over.
1: 100 percent, completely agree.
0: So, man, where can the people find you? I'm going to post your book and everything and my story and everything. But um, everyone listening, where can they find you and follow up and and learn how they can start and build their podcast?
1: No doubt. So you can visit uh, dailygrindpodcast.com. That's my website. You're going to find everything about me, links to social. Um, You can follow me on Instagram. Get to learn more about me there. Uh, That's Colin with one L. Morgan dot DGP, um, and then LinkedIn. If you want to follow me on LinkedIn, you're more that sort of professional looking for that type of content. Follow me on LinkedIn there. You just Google Colin Morgan Daily Grind, and uh, hopefully that pop up. Not kidding, you'll find me.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks, Colin. Um, make sure you guys. I'm gonna post on my story everything about Colin. Make sure you also listen to his podcast, The Daily Grind. He just told me about a guest he had, um, and I'm gonna go back and listen to Jared Krause's interview you did with him because I need to learn as much as I can moving forward in my new entrepreneurial ventures. um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as me and Colin enjoyed making it for you. Till next time, always remember to be yourself. Peace out, guys.